0: didn't happen overnight I had to really get into it and look into it and study and understand the nature of God and I think that's a really fair thing to say to people like that's another way I would disarm I'd say I used to think that was a really good question because I didn't understand the loop that it put me in and I didn't know how to get out of the loop that it put me in and I didn't understand that it was really a straw man argument I had that same question that's a really good way to disarm to validate the question This
1: is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we continue expanding our apologetics toolbox as we start to wrap up our multi-series focus on the book Searching for God. This episode is part of a series. You can get the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and the larger work that we are doing all at studywithfriends.org.
0: So when we talked about disarm and deconstruct, a subset of that tool, I think is asking questions instead of making statements. Super important methodology. Because when you make statements, it's hard not to sound holier than thou. Right, Andrea, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. When you ask questions, it is more inviting. Mm -hmm. It's more... Um, it's a conversation starter instead of a conversation right. stopper. Well, and I right? think it also makes you
1: more vulnerable.
0: Yes, to yeah. that
1: other person.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it makes it feel like it should, which is you and I are in the same boat. I'm not on the opposite side of something that you are on. You and I are in the same boat. We are we are experiencing life on this planet, and we are all we are both seeing the news where if it bleeds, it leads. We're waking up every morning and going to bed every night wanting to be certain people and not accomplishing it (laughs) we are all in the same life situation as often as you can to be able to help that person recognize and to remind yourself huge you don't have all the answers assure them that you don't believe you have all the answers this is asking better questions is a really good tool i'll give you an example i've used earlier um, in an earlier episode my nephew who i love so much who was raised in the church, um, when he became older and out in the working world, began to work at a company where there were a lot of atheists, and atheists without deep roots in their beliefs. These particular folks were really fond of the soundbite-y kind of arguments. So one of the ones that he came across was, can God make a rock even he can't lift? And what they love to say is, this is a tactic, I think, that atheists often take. (laughs) They ask the question and then they tell you how you're not allowed to answer it. So they'll ask the question, can God make a rock even he can't lift? If you say he can't lift it, he's not all powerful. If you say he can't make it, he's not all powerful. By asking the question and then telling you the boundaries around which you can answer it, they believe they've boxed you into a corner where you can't assert that you're God is the God of the universe. There is an answer to that question, by the way. So I sat with him for a while with this question. And I, so my immediate response was not to, to make a statement to answer that question. The first thing I did was I asked a better question. And so when he said, can God create a rock that even he can't lift? I said, there is an answer to that question. I have two questions for you first. First, why are you asking me that question? What are, we, what are we trying to accomplish today? Are you truly seeking an answer about the nature of the God that I worship? Or are you just wondering if you can get a good sound buddy answer from me? I think that's a valid question. Mm-hmm. Because it, it either of those answers is fine. I'll give you whatever you're looking for in this conversation. Because I love you and I want to stay in relationship with you. And I'll give you the best I can for what you're looking to get out of it. But how you answer that question affects how much I put into this conversation and what I'm going to really want to spend. Like we could spend two hours talking about it if you really want to understand the nature of the God that I serve. Or we can spend 10 minutes and I can give you the answer that is satisfactory. I think that's a fair thing to ask. And I think when, when you are confronted with questions, it's a good place to start because it helps to understand what is the field that i'm stepping onto and what's the game that's being played mm. and that's reasonable <laughs> like mm. you have every right to answer that to ask that question and get it answered and i think one of the things that we as christians get really tense about is having the answer without backing it up and understanding the game that's being played and and honoring the person and saying, yes, I will step onto the soccer field, the baseball field, the football field, but I need to understand what equipment I need for this sport. Like, what are we playing today? Mm-hmm. And if you ask it in a gentle and loving way, like I just did, which I was like, I want to give you what you're looking for from this question. What I need, I need to understand better what you're looking for. I'll come back to the rock question. Another question where this has come up a lot in my life is about 10 years ago when gay marriage was like all in politics and culture, and people just kept hammering me. Do you believe in gay marriage? And- I think it's because I'm pretty, pretty openly a Christian. A lot of people ask me from my church, you know, like I, and so people from my church, I think were asking me for a sound bitey answer. People outside of the church, I think were asking me for a different reason. And so I just started again with why do you care what I believe? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a better understanding of why I believe what I believe? Or are you just maybe looking for a little bit of an argument? Do you believe differently? And I won't have an argument with you because I don't think that honors Christ, but I will have a conversation with you, and I'm, I'm totally comfortable asserting what I believe, but I just need to understand what you're looking for out of this conversation. Here again, it's okay to do that. And I don't think we take the time to do it because I think as Christians, we get our back up anytime we think that Jesus, who we love more than life itself, is being attacked. It's like attacking one of our kids or our best friend. Mm-hmm. We want to we rush to the defense and that is you got to squash that because it is the fastest way to dishonor Christ. You're going to get in that argument, you're going to say something you don't mean because your emotions are leading instead of the spirit of God that lives in you. So that's one more thing that I wanted to add. Ask questions, don't make statements. Think for a second before you ask a question. Make sure it's a question that's reasonable for you to ask and, and relational for you to ask, that deepens the conversation, that invites them into a deeper conversation, that, that asks them to look at their own motivation and, and examine the relationship they're having with you. Uh, hey, what's the motivation here? What, who are you and I to each other, right? So if I say to you, do you are you trying to understand the God that I serve? When they say, yes, that's super relational. And I want to honor that. But I need to know. In order for me to keep firm footing, I need to know what I'm standing on. Asking questions helps a lot with that. And a little bit, it's, a, it's also part of the disarming. Because I've disarmed you a little if I've said, are you just looking for an argument? Mm-hmm. Because nobody wants to say, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people might. I, I have had people in my life who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely opposed to the things that you believe. And I'd, like I'd like to debate them. And I, I'm, I love that. Not everybody does. I know that's the height of anxiety that I just that I just did with you guys. I know that most people. You just you said it, you're like oh. Most people are like oh my gosh, I can't get into that debate. That's right. okay. And and with certain
1: depends who it is. Yep. I mean, I have a family member where it's like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, let it go. Well, and how they well, debate, are they yeah. dirty fighters, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's scrappy. all it's yeah. all about it's all about being filled with the spirit of God and being led by the spirit of God so that God's will is done inside that conversation and not ours and not our conversational partners. So if they're coming at it with a desire to be combative, well that's not what God in his Bible in the Bible that is not God loves peace. And so if someone's coming at you with combat, we can be sure it is not the spirit of God and the will of God for conflict to happen in a hurtful, harmful way. That's just not. And so if we are embodied by the spirit... We're, we're not going to enter into that kind of a conversation. And I think it's fair and reasonable and a pretty useful tool to say, okay, this is one of those conversations. Let me think really quickly about my toolbox. I've got the three types of argument that I'm ready for. I've got my tools that are going to uh, deal with those arguments. And I have to remember, ask good questions and disarm first. Okay, so these are just, there's a whole, you, you can't have hard conversations with one tool. But if you, if you use questions as your touchstone, it's really helpful. Okay, so we're going to disarm and deconstruct. Let me go back so I don't leave you hanging on the stone question. The conversation that I had with him, uh, the first question was, what are we looking for in this conversation? And the second question was, I, sa- I said, um, I want to talk to you about can God create a rock that even he can't lift? But first, I want to ask you a question, can God create We've changed the game. We've let this rock thing go. And we've talked about the, I've moved the conversation into the nature of God instead of this stupid rock that everybody wants to have a conversation about. I'm going to give you the SAT or, I don't know, academic. The truth of the matter is that God is eternal and not temporal. So everything that he creates is under under his subjectivity. So certainly not. He could not create a rock that he couldn't lift because everything is his creation. And if he chooses to melt my wooden banister right now, he could. He, the rules of nature don't apply to him. And so it doesn't even really lift in the way that you and I think of lifting. So this question is faulty, and it doesn't lead to an understanding of the nature of God, because the nature of God is so much bigger than the anthropomorphic idea of someone lifting a rock. That's really the answer to that question. But it's a deep answer and you can't just get there. Although I just did. If you're just looking for the sound bite, I'll give you the sound bite and then I'll, I'll encourage you. Do you want to understand what I mean by eternality? Can we talk about space and time as creations? Because rock takes up space and space is a creation. So I'd rather talk about the creation of space and time than the creation of a rock. And what does that mean for the nature of God? Like, let's get into it, <laughs> but don't ask me a stupid question. <laughs> And expect me to sound stupid with my answer because I'm going to be prepared with some principles that I understand about God. And listen, this didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. I had to really get into it and look into it and study and understand the nature of God um and I think that's a really fair thing to say to people like that's another way I would disarm I'd I'd say I used to think that was a really good question because I didn't understand the loop that it put me in and I didn't know how to get out of the loop that it put me in and I didn't understand that it was really a straw man argument and so I understand why you're asking me that question I had that same question that's a really good way to disarm Mm -hmm. to validate the question and not say it's stupid. So forget that I said that, but just between us. Um, So do you understand what I mean? So asking that question and and then validating, I think is a really great way to to disarm. So let's start getting into, so I've given you some foundational principles. There were a lot. I just slammed them in. Um, Now I'd like to kind of show you how those work out and see if we can even get to there ourselves. Can we try to jump in? Mm-hmm. Okay. So each of you has, um, I'm a little nervous because I, I, I truly believe that if you stick to these principles, you're going to be able to answer or have a conversation about a lot of the compelling questions. So let's see if we can do it. Okay. Who wants to go first?
2: Okay. Put myself. I know exactly where I was. This is someone I had a conversation with and I was, I, I was stumped. Mm-hmm. I did not know how to answer it. And it's, it's about evolution, right? Mm-hmm. So it's naturalism talking to someone. How does one argue the the science to it Mm -hmm. or that there is truth to what creation says when all the other science out there basically disproves and and talks about atoms and talks about, Mm -hmm. you know, how people and everything has evolved. So what's the, ask a question. Okay, the question is how can you believe in that everything was created in seven days when there's, all these other theories and proof that it was way longer than seven days and takes way longer than seven days to get to man.
0: Okay. First, I wanna talk about your question. Um, and I'm, I'm role playing with you. Okay. Okay. So what we're gonna do now is you're gonna take the position of the person who has asked that question. Are okay. you comfortable walking through the conversation in that persona? Do you feel like you could have the responses that person would have? Okay. Sure. So thanks for asking me that question. Because I think it shows that you're interested in what I believe. And that means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. I heard you say, how can you believe that the earth was created in seven days when science disproves that? Do I have your question right? Yeah. So there's two pieces to that question. How can I believe this when science disproves it? So there's kind of two elements to that question. Do you have a few minutes for me to kind of really dive in or were you Absolutely. looking for something pretty quick? Okay. If not, we could like get coffee. I would love to do that. What did I just do? Relationship. If we're at a social function, this isn't really the place. Right. But I'm inviting you into a deeper relationship. It's exactly what I did with you. I was like, well, what if we go for like a walk? I, am, I showed first that I'm interested in you as a human. Let's spend time. Time is a valuable commodity. And so I, I'm, that, that's another thing that I would always weave in. So if we don't have time to do it right now, could we get coffee? Because this is pretty, it's a pretty deep conversation and I'd love to actually have the conversation with you because I really appreciate that you're asking me and honoring something that's really important to me. What I also did there was, I made an assumption that kind of locks her into, she can't say, well, I'm not really that interested in what you do, right? So I've said thank you Mm -hmm. for asking me a question about something that really matters to me. Relational, but also a little bit of like a, a lock, to be like, okay, so you've opened this can of worms, and I'm holding on to you. So the first thing, let's assume we have time. The first thing that you said is, how can you believe that the earth was created in seven days? And so I just gently want to redirect you, because you've made an assumption about mm-hmm. what I believe, and I would like to explain a little bit better what I believe. What I believe is that I serve a God who does not, who is not bound by the rules that he created. What I mean by that is that without really copping out on your question, it doesn't matter that much to me if it was an actual seven days or if it wasn't, because I look at the God that I serve in a much broader, broader way. And I recognize that he is so powerful and so above and beyond all the things that he created, including space. And time, seven days, 700 years, he created all of those things. And so he's beyond them and he is in charge of them and he can do whatever. He is all powerful. I truly believe that. So if he does this and the world comes into existence in exactly the way that we see it right now, I believe he has the power to do that. Having said that, the Bible actually itself says to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And I think that the Bible is trying to teach us in that scripture that time doesn't work the same way for God as it works for us. And so what I think happens when people ask this question, and truly, I, I've asked this question myself, like, what does that mean in Genesis that the first day, the second day, what does that really mean? When I dived into it, I started to understand that that scripture, a thousand, day, a thousand years and a day, was a a little bit of a poking at our understanding and our trying to put God in a box like he functions like a human. Does that make sense to you? What I'm saying about the nature of God? Do you understand what I'm kind of asserting when it comes to that seven day
2: idea? So you're saying that the Bible isn't accurate?
0: No, I'm saying that the Bible is not
2: always literal. So then you're saying that the bible is your truth and everything that you believe but it's not always literal so what one person might translate it as or believe it to say is going to be completely different than maybe how you're taking it so then how do you even know what to believe
0: okay so because she took she started in naturalism and moved to relativism if i'm going to travel with her i have a couple ways that i can go i can ask her what she means by truth and literal So we can really dive into whether she's also a relativist in addition to being a naturalist. Or another way that I could go is to say, would you like me to answer that question first or would you like me to answer the question, the the second part of the first question you asked, which was about science. So there's a couple ways I could go. I have to keep my own head in the conversation. I recognize that that's a a big thing. And I I really want to tell you guys that I think that doing this work What we're doing right now and reading, like this is how I did it. I just read. I read a ton of books on apologetics. I took classes. I listened to people. I asked questions of people who were smarter than me and knew more than me. And that's how I developed my toolbox. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm giving you some touchstones. And I'm telling you, just keep your head. And if you don't know an answer, ask a better question. Okay. So let's get back into it. Um, you decide which direction we go.
2: Let's go science. Okay. So I feel
0: a little uncomfortable because I feel like we've left what I believe as far as time and the literal nature of the Bible. So I'd love to come back to that because I, I... I want you to know that I believe there's absolute truth in the Bible. I'm sure of it. And, and that's so important. Like, I don't want to abandon it forever. So I, I, I love that you asked that question. It's another great question. I love that you're asking. This is exactly what I said to you, too. Like, I loved the questions that you asked. And I think I, I said that to her a lot. And I think that I hope that made her feel really safe And comfortable asking more hard questions because not only did I say that I want to answer them or try to talk them through, but I told her I love it. I remember once, I'm just going to go off topic for a second. I remember once like 25 years ago, I had taken my stuff, uh, my clothing into a dry cleaners and it was like a lot of clothes. And I asked the guy, he was the owner. I said, can you help me with this stuff? Take it to my car. And I, I felt bad. And he was like, are you kidding? I would love to, I love to do that for people. And 20 years later, I, w- I remember him like turning that and instead of being like, no problem. He was like, I love to do that for people. Thank you for letting me do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a gem. That's what I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to not just make it safe and comfortable. I'm trying to encourage it. Like, I love this. Every time you want to meet at the playground or at Barnes and Noble or Starbucks or wherever and, and hang out with your kids and talk about this stuff, I would be thrilled. This is one of my favorite things to do. And so I just want, I, I planted that seed. It's true for me. It might not be true for everybody. I think as you develop, it becomes true for you, but it really is true for me because I love it because I feel like we're going to talk about this and you're going to get there. Not because of me, but because God is at work in your life right now. You asking these questions and God bringing us together and me loving answering those questions and talking about them. God is at work. And when God starts a work, he sees it through. And that's what I love to watch. Not just, oh, I'm going to have the answers and I'm going to get Andrea there. I didn't get Andrea there. God got Andrea there. And he blessed me to be a part of that. Okay. So I've, I've set the table to like come back to another question, have another cup of coffee or go to the playground again. Because these are, I can't do it all in one sitting. And that's the other thing you got to let your friend know. We're not going to be able to do this all in one sitting. Right. So let's set appointments. Let's keep doing it. Let's walk through it. Okay. So science. science. So science this is where I'll disarm and deconstruct. Okay. So watch for it. So first I want to tell you that I come from a family of atheists and I come from a family of scientists and science is, um, an absolute in my family. Uh, my uncle was literally a rocket scientist and, uh, my grandfather was such a devout atheist, he refused to go into the church when my brother was married. I mean, we're talking about dyed-in-the-wool enemies of God. <laughs> like, you are an idiot if you believe that. So I just, just so you know where I'm coming from, disarm. Same. And so what happened for me was I had a faith experience that was convincing to me, and I converted. But then I found myself in a place where I needed to be able to defend to the people I loved the most and people whose opinions I really trusted and I wasn't able to do that and so I really had to start looking at the questions like the questions you're asking me and so I want to make sure that I understand where we take this next so the original question was how can you believe that the earth was created in seven days when science has disproved that I've rephrased it but that's the gist right and so we talked about the seven days we put a pin in it because I opened a can of worms by telling you the truth which is the Bible is not always exactly literal. And that's a whole, honestly, I teach Bible studies. You could take years to figure that out and where, where, where to apply that. So I don't take that lightly, but I want you to know that I'm not hiding from that and I still believe. So we put a pin in that. But the science thing, that's, that was a big one for me. So what I want to ask you is, what proof do you believe exists that disproves the Bible? I disarmed by saying, I totally get it. This is my history. This is my personal. I shared a personal story. Like, and then I asked her, maybe not a better question, but a pretty good question. So that instead of the big capital S of science that I now have to grapple with, I'm asking her to zero in and give me a proof that we can deconstruct together. Give me the proof that, and also by doing that, I've asked her to unveil the truth that is most compelling to her that disprove, and I think stopping and slowing down and explaining what I'm doing and then mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. and using the touchstones of disarm, deconstruct, and and un- recognizing like recognizing when she pivoted out of naturalism into relativism and then reaching for a different tool. Right. Like I think is that useful? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're learning, and that's important. So that's the point of a workshop, and it doesn't always go quickly, but I think, I think we can do really good work here guys. So thank you for hanging in there.
1: This program is produced by study with friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.